0: Hey y'all, welcome to the last episode of CalAG Roots for the calendar year of 2022. This year, we're repeating a tradition we began last year, where our final episode was a reflection and year in review. Joining us again for this year in review is the founder of CalAG Roots, Ildi Carlisle Cummins, who is now executive director of the California Institute for Rural Studies, the nonprofit umbrella for the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Ildi, for joining us. I'm glad to be here again, Caroline, and I can't quite believe it's been a full year since we've had this conversation.
0: I was wow. just about to say that, this <laughs> seems like we just did this, and now we blinked and we're doing it again. Yeah. And so, yeah, how have you been experiencing time in 2022? Oh,
1: oh it's that really weird, expanded, contracted Time, I feel like the pandemic trained my focus differently on the way that time moves and I'm still in it. (laughs) I still feel like things are so fast and sometimes so slow at the same time. So it's a trip.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean I agree and I think that, you know, the the pandemic as you're saying it's something that it continues to be in existence. We're still living through it and dealing with it and we've even seen how it's impacted our work here at CIRS with Calag Roots.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean there are stories that were produced this year and projects that span from pre-pandemic days and things that are still moving at the speed of community because of the way that the pandemic has impacted certain people, certain places, certain stories.
0: Yeah, let's dig into that a bit. You know, I'm thinking about how it, it continues to impact our work. With some of our community partners, as you mentioned, we're really just trying to work at the speed of community. So one of our projects we're really excited about, a story map called Reseeding, that we're working with some Indigenous communities across the state. That's one that's going to probably debut now in in 2023 due to some pandemic delays. But also we've had great opportunities like our COFS storytelling. Do you mind telling the listeners a bit more about COFS and, and what it
1: is just in terms of CIRS? Before yeah. We talk about it on the podcast side. Yeah, sure. The COVID nineteen farmworker study was really transformational for CIRS at the very beginning of the pandemic. In March of 2020, we connected really quickly with this sort of fungal network, this mycorrhizal network of folks working with farmworkers um, in farmworker communities across three states: California, Oregon, and Washington. To really map the impacts of the pandemic in farmworker communities and on farmworker lives. And so that study now has just sunsetted just this fall. So it went almost three years. And one of the things that is still coming out of the study, even as it comes to a soft close, are this series of podcasts being produced with the support of CIRS, but really with co-producers in Oregon as part of the, the Oregon study team and farm workers who participated in the study there. And Lee Schmidt, who's a storyteller on our team, has been working to bring those to life, do the, the audio production support, the audio editing support to, to bring those stories onto airwaves or podcast waves, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's been a really exciting development to see how this shared work across CIRS has moved between and across different divisions from the research team and into storytelling and into our, you know, community engaged arm. Um, And we're just really excited at the way we're leaning into co-production with collaborations like COFS. And And I think that's something I'd love to touch on a bit towards the end of our conversation. Uh, But maybe we can speak more to some of our 2022 podcasts before we start looking into the future.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I definitely want to be sure we talk about how we got to meet up, Caroline, (laughs) in San Francisco in front of these beautiful We Are Not Strangers Here banners that sat in a warehouse in Oakland for a year or more during the pandemic that finally made their debut out into the world. So lots of good things to talk about that happened this year.
0: Maybe so, we can start with that. You know, the, the sure. you know we're yeah. not strangers here. Just like um, we talked about, you know, the pandemic being something that's with us. On the flip side, we're really excited about the way that we're not strangers here continues to be with us. It's a project that we started on together a couple of years back. It had a pandemic delay, but it's out in the world as you mentioned and moving both in physical space and on the airwaves in really exciting ways. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, what what did you think about like hooking up? And and actually seeing the exhibit in its banner form in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, well, it was so cool to finally see those images that you... Dug up in various archives and from family archives, blown up and big and just with a real presence on banners to finally see that and to see how it combines so beautifully with the text that our collaborator Susan Anderson wrote to tell the stories of We're Not Strangers Here And yeah, just to be in the physical presence and then, of course, to be there with you, Caroline, that had such an instrumental role in developing that project and bringing those voices, those stories out of boxes and files and and libraries um, into the world was just really cool. But you, Caroline, have done a lot of connecting with people, a lot of talking about the series, a lot of presenting it in different spaces, having community conversations about it. What has that been like for you to to bring that out into the world in a new way?
0: No, it's really been exciting. And to our listeners, if you're not sure what We're Not Strangers here is, it's histories of African-Americans in rural California, and it has both a a traveling banner exhibit component and also a six-episode podcast series that accompanies it. And it's just been this wonderful project that's moved through communities in really interesting ways. Exhibit Envoy, our banner uh, exhibitor partner, has really worked hard to put it in a lot of community spaces, like smaller museums or community organizations or public libraries. And so, yeah, Ildi, like you mentioned this year, I've been able to go to places like the San Diego Public Library and talk about the project and all of the collaborative work that went into it and all of these wonderful stories that have been hidden for too long and really amplifying them through the podcast and through the banner exhibit. I've gone to different classrooms classrooms both digitally on zoom and in, in person to talk to folks about the project the fresno freedom school we also talked about it at their progressive summit and i think one of the things that's just really exciting about it is how much folks seem to be engaged on a really personal level with the content you know when it was in allensworth state park one of our associates with crs Christelle Jensen was able to actually interview folks who were interacting with the banners. And we were able to get all of these you know, rich narratives from people who were talking about just how important it was to see these types of stories blown up with these beautifully rich, huge images on these banners, because we know that. For so many Black Californians, you know, these are stories that we know are just part and parcel of their lives. Like they have lived rich lives in and across rural California. And so they're excited to see these stories that are so intimate to them and so important to them be shared in such a vivid manner and dispersed across the state.
1: Yeah. Are there any interactions that you've had with folks that are were really surprising to you? Or can you think of any examples of something that someone said or responded, some response that they got from the story series that you're just going to carry forward that's sticking with you? Like, who do you think back to when you think about all these people that are laying their eyes on the banners and listening to the stories?
0: You know, some of the things that come to mind have been the pictures of of kids who have been engaging with the banners and how intergenerational some of the visitorship has been and seeing the the sharing of stories across generations. So Mm -hmm. seeing actual older visitors share stories of their lives with the young folks that they've brought with them to the exhibit has been really interesting. And then at one of our talks in San Diego, I think one of the things that really stuck with me is afterwards seeing the connections that were being made with folks who came out, who didn't know each other before they came to the exhibit and to the talk and seeing people find other like-minded folks who are also interested in these local histories and making connections and talking about ways that they're gonna work together to tell more public stories. So we had a couple instances of that in San Diego where there were some visitors We were talking about their interests and the way that that We're Not Strangers Here made them want to dig up some similar stories. And they started making connections with one another. And by the end of the night, when we were basically getting booted out of the room at the public library, because we all were just hanging out and and talking for so long afterwards, it was really exciting for me to see the inspiration that We're Not Strangers Here was creating, and that it was going to grow into new and developing projects from folks who were introduced to one another through the project hmm That's
1: so cool, Caroline. Yeah. I think that that's been some of my favorite experiences. It's making me think back to early Calig root stories where it's just so clear that when you bring those stories out into the world and can see people's reactions to them and people are having reactions in community, that they're each their own little community organizing projects, really. Like a network builds around the story and around people who see themselves in the story or whose own families have a piece of that history or who are connected to it in some vital way and it's like the stories then have this big impact on the physical world and people in community with each other so that's really neat yeah mm-hmm. it's been really exciting to watch hmm mm-hmm. well you haven't just been traveling up and down the state giving talks about <laughs> we are not strangers here. You've also been working with Lee, working with others on a bunch of new podcasts. Like tell us what, if people haven't listened to every single one yet, what have people missed? What came out in 2022 in terms of podcasts?
0: Yeah. You know, one that I'd, I'd love to also have you join in some of our talk is some of these projects that we were able to revisit because of pandemic delays. So the one that comes to mind is the Farmer Equity podcast, which was another collaboratively produced episode that we were working with community partners and got shelled, but was able to come to life in 2022. Do you mind giving folks a bit of the background on that episode?
1: Yeah, sure. It. Touches on some of the backstory behind the Farmer Equity Act. Hector Calderon and I were working on it, and then Lee Schmidt came and also worked on it, and it became a team project, really, to to finish up the story this year. But tells the story of the group of activists who were really pushing the California Department of Food and Agriculture to look at their equity practices, or basically the ways that. The California Department of Food and Ag has shut out, denied, not supported farmers of color throughout the history of that agency, and then this effort to pass a piece of legislation that would begin to require them to at least be introspective (laughs) about the fact that there's not a lot of equity at the Department of Agriculture, and to try and begin to do some structural change to address that and open up resources, technical assistance programs, those kinds of things, um, specifically for farmers of color that have typically been denied those kinds of services. So that was a cool one to see come to life. And then That's one that has sort of direct and immediate story for action possibility in it that was very useful to a group of folks in the California Farmer Justice Collaborative, CFJC, who are working to continue to hold CDFA accountable. So it was a neat one to land when it did and to, to try and sort of be put to work immediately for change in the world.
0: Yeah, that was really exciting, um, especially to see the way that it was able to kind of be carried on through the finish line with Hector and Lee. And also, you know, now with hindsight, I think that extra time was really important in the storytelling process because that story continued to develop in really interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was one where I think that extra time actually ended up serving the story really well.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And then there was another series that got some extra time because it didn't quite fit into the we're not strangers here arc and story series but that you then brought to life called seeds of change tell us about that one
0: yeah that was one where you mentioned susan anderson our wonderful primary history advisor on we're not strangers here who's the history curator and program manager at the california african-american museum and she was really our north star when we were working on we're not strangers here where it was so much wonderful, rich information that we were uncovering for that project? That there were times there were just so many stories we wanted to get to, and she was always adamant in reminding us you know, of what the boundaries were for We're Not Strangers Here. So when we were thinking about urban farming and some of the seeds of the modern food justice movement in Black California, she reminded us that that wasn't necessarily part of the We're Not Strangers Here story. And so we shelved those really interesting questions and concerns we had about that larger project and we returned to it in this three-episode series that you mentioned, Seeds of Change, where we looked at the politics of the contemporary food justice movement and were able to do some real deep tracing and deep diving into the ways that Black Californians in early California really helped to lay some of the pivotal structures and foundations of what we've come to understand as the contemporary food justice movement. So our first episode looked at the history of Black Los Angeles victory markets in World War II era Los Angeles and the way that the Black church was really pivotal in some of these early food justice movements. Uh, Our second episode looked at the role of the Black Panthers, uh, especially in Oakland and then across the country and how pivotal they were In bringing the practice and the concept of free meals to children, something that we kind of just take for granted now, especially given um, that this school year, uh, the state of California has now made it that every child can eat for free, no matter any type of income barrier. And then our third episode looked at some contemporary urban farmers and uh, the things that folks are doing now as a particular type of contemporary harvest for all of these seeds of change that were planted by these Earlier folks that we talked about. So in that particular story, we were looking at Black urban residents in, in California, and specifically Acta Non Verba in Oakland, led by Kelly Carlisle and the work that she's doing there with youth. And it was a really wonderful series. That helped us build from We're Not Strangers Here to think about all of the complex ways that that Black folks' involvement with the natural world in both rural and urban spaces continues to be with us today in these really pivotal ways, especially as it relates to food justice. And that was a story that I was really just proud that we were able to tell. And we talked to a lot of great folks and had a lot of help from interviewees and from archivists and community librarians and um, all kinds of folks across the state. And that's one that I'm I'm really proud of.
1: And again, I think that that, does that work that Caleg Roots was designed to do of putting these historical roots on contemporary ideas about what needs to change, what needs to shift, what are people in the food movement doing? Personally, my favorite was the first episode about the history of the Black church in LA and their connection to cooperatives and victory markets and, and really see that root in a very unique way.
0: I'm really happy to hear you say that, especially since, you know, I did have somewhat of a personal connection to that story, not necessarily out of Los Angeles, but my family was an AME family, an African Methodist Episcopal church family. And as I mentioned in that episode, it's the, the oldest African-American denomination in the United States. And it's been at the center of a lot of really important civil rights movements across the nation and world even. So that was a really special moment for me, both professionally and personally. And it also highlighted um, a really important ethos of Calag Roots, where we really think about the diversity of storytellers and what it means to tap into folks' different lived experiences. And we um, were able to do that both with that series and some of my own experience, but also in our new interview series, The Well, where we're kind of having more laid back conversations with different scholars and community organizers and and folks that are really impacting how we think about california and our relationship to the natural world and our first series for that one was thinking about the practice and the concept of land back
1: yeah I was so excited to see some experimentation with this interview style podcast and then just to learn from in this very immediate, direct way, in a conversational way from some of these folks that have just powerful, again, land-shaping ideas about the future of farming, about the future of connection to land, about land ownership and land back. Give us the highlights, Caroline. What were some juicy tidbits that folks offered in that series that you're going to hang on to and bring forward?
0: And we we talked to such wonderful collaborators. So we talked with Dr. Brittany Arona from San Diego State University, who's in their American Indian department, Nicole Salaya with FoodLink for Tulare County, also Dr. Carol Fox at UC San Diego, who's Native Hawaiian. And I think What really sticks with me is the breadth of the types of stories that we were able to uncover. And I think about Dr. Fox's conversation and that... He was talking about things like all of these types of artificial intelligence and remote sensing and different technologies that have to do with the way we could be or should be fighting things like climate change and wildfires, which is so important to to California and California agriculture. And he was talking about a form of repatriation in terms of like indigenous knowledge and indigenous science and what it means to return to these really important ways of knowing and being and doing and how doing so could really unlock the answer and solutions to a lot of the the most pressing crises of our time, particularly climate change. Um, and so I think I was really just, in awe of the breadth of that conversation, of how important it is to talk about things like actual physical land back to Indigenous folks and what that means, um, and what it also means to return to things like Indigenous science and Indigenous knowledge and Indigenous ways of knowing.
1: Yeah, I was really into that part of the conversation too, and I, I think I could tell in the conversation, and we've talked about this a little bit too, Caroline, that We had opened the door for this certain set of questions, certain set of ideas that you thought might emerge about land back in that particular way. And then it did just expand into Mm -hmm. this, this vision of what would it be like if Indigenous knowledge and expertise and thousands of years of experience in connecting to stewarding land were tapped into and how would that change our framework of living in the state of California entirely. So it really went, you could tell it just went big (laughs) in a very beautiful, a beautiful way. Mm
0: -hmm. And it went to the future, you know, since he's Mm -hmm. an indigenous futurist. And so I think that's something that's important for us to think about because just as much as Calag Roots is about really kind of trying to uncover some of these deep and important and significant histories, we're doing that also in service of the present and the
1: future. Yes, yes, yes. I've always said that and thought that about the project, that it's a history project, but it is very forward-facing. It's interested in the future. It's history yeah. to be put to work.
0: Along those lines, and maybe let's kind of close out with thinking about what's in the future for Cal. Yes, and the future the farmers.
1: <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. Talk to me about the collaboration that you helped to develop with the national young farmers. You know, a lot of
0: 2023 is is really about leaning into more co-production and working with communities across the state. So much of Calag roots is rooted in this belief and this ethos that folks not only have the right to tell their own stories, it makes sense that they should be the one telling their own stories. So we're partnering with a past collaborator, Hector, who we just mentioned, Calderon, and the National Young Farmers Coalition. Um, They are working on some op-ed pieces and they are going to be actually recording them with us. And they're going to end up being two to three episodes on Calag Roots that they're going to use, uh, not just to amplify their voices and get their stories out, but to actually try to eventuate congressional change in the 2023 Farm Bill. Um, through the one million acres campaign. And so they are writing these op-eds that are going to go out in print channels but then they're also going to work with us to create audio versions of these op-eds that also can mobilize things like sound and interviews and other types of tools um, where they can amplify these op-eds, share them across all of these different channels, and they're going to be putting them out and publishing them with us before they go to Washington DC in March of 2023 as a way to really speak truth to power and use audio storytelling as a means of change. And so we're excited to be partnering with them on that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've been sharing audio production skills with other partners fighting for change. So, you know, the the Young Farmers (laughs) Coalition, um,
0: CCEJN, Central California Environmental Justice Network, we've been having workshops with folks and talking about just the production process what that means, how you craft a story, different storytelling elements, technical elements. We dive into technical elements, like what it means to record on a device, like a taskcam or a Zoom. But we also talk to folks about how to record on your phone, since many people have access to that as well. And then also in some of our partnerships, If folks need recording equipment, I've always been really proud in the way that CalAg Roots will also step up and provide or loan uh, equipment for our partners as well. Uh, So we're providing folks the actual equipment or the, the tools or some of the, the training necessary so that they can really speak truth to power on, on their own with their own voices. And that's something we're really looking forward to continuing to lean into is these collaborations, these co-productions, these trainings.
1: Well, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing those next voices that yeah. always add such a vibrancy to the stories.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that people can listen to is our second to last episode of this year is kind of a preview of some of that. We had a call out to folks. We were thinking about this time of year as we're reflecting and as we're gathering together and thinking about the season of Dia de los Muertos and other year-end celebrations that really pull folks together and inward to, to think about loved ones. And so we had a call out on social media and on email asking folks, how they honor their elders and their ancestors, and people called in. Some of those call ins led to longer Zoom interviews. And so, our second to last episode of the year before this one was about honoring our elders. So, that's a great example of community call outs and working with community partners in order to tell some really important stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say, as we hear about and talk about. This incredible body of work this year. I just want to say a really heartfelt thank you to you and to Lee Schmidt, who does a lot of the behind-the-scenes audio yes. work and co-production work. Huge shout out to stewarding. Lee. Yeah. Just for stewarding Caleg Roots through this full year and into the future of the project. I just feel glad to be a listener <laughs> and proud of where you you've taken it. So, just a big thank you for all that you've put in this year and into the next. Excited to see what's to come.
0: Thanks for listening to the Calag Roots podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can check out other stories like this one at www.agroots.org or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get podcasts. And by the way, if you subscribe and rate this show, it'll help other people discover it. To learn more about the National Young Farmers Coalition and the One Million Acres for the Future campaign we mentioned in this episode visit www.youngfarmers.org and be sure to check out our podcast collaboration with their Land Advocacy Fellows. Those episodes premiere in March, 2023. To discover more about the COVID-19 Farmworker Study or the COFS project we referenced, visit www.cirsinc.org and click on the Research tab at the top. And be sure to listen to our upcoming podcast episodes with our Coffs Organ Partners. That series drops in early 2023 as well. Also, to learn more about the new physical We Are Not Strangers Here exhibit coming to the California African American Museum, which will be curated by Susan D. Anderson, continue to tune in to CalAG Roots as we amplify that project. Now, some important acknowledgements. This podcast narration was written by me, Dr. Caroline Collins, postdoctoral fellow at UC Irvine, affiliated researcher at UC San Diego, and Calag Roots producer at the California Institute for Rural Studies. Production assistance and audio engineering was provided by Lee Schmidt, associate storyteller and researcher at the California Institute for Rural Studies. Lee and I would also like to thank the entire CIRS crew for their collaboration and support this year. Ildi Carlisle Cummings, Amy Frisch, Christelle Jensen, Erica Ramirez-Mayoral, Alondra Santiago, and Debra Saxton. This podcast was made possible with support from the 11th Hour Project at the Schmidt Family Foundation. And finally, special thanks to all the folks who shared their stories and voices with us this year. Florentino Coyazo, Jabril Kaiser, Kelly Matsushita Singh, Janaki Anaga, Mai Nguyen, Dr. Annalena Hope Hasberg, Dr. Lauren Foster, Billy X Jennings, Kelly Carlisle, Dr. Brittany Arona, Nicole Salaya, Dr. Keolu Fox, Alondra Santiago, Myrna martinez Nateras, Elaine Reed, Christian Collins, Nakia Zavala, and Ildi Carlisle-Cummins. Their contributions helped us celebrate the power of story all year long. See you in 2023.